This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Of course, I want to thank Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie and the Duchelles and Pastor Taz and Pastor James for uh, giving me this honor. It's a, an honor to be here. Uh, I don't look at this as a platform. This is an altar. And uh, it's a holy place. This is a holy place. Wasn't the praise and worship amazing this morning? My God, God is in this place. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so do you have your Bibles? Your real Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to begin. We're talking about this month, the Holy Spirit, and Pastor Tom last week talked about our advocate or our paraclete. He did an amazing job. The Holy Spirit is called along your side to help you. Amen? So Acts chapter 10, Pastor Tom has given me the assignment to continue on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about exercising your dominion, your God-given authority as the Holy Spirit helps you. And look at this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want you to notice here that this says Jesus of Nazareth. It's not talking about Jesus the Christ here. It's talking about Jesus of Nazareth. In other words, this, this scripture is the humanity side of Christ. Yes, Jesus was God, is God, and always will be God. Amen? But in this verse, this is not talking about the deity of Christ. It's talking about the humanity of Christ. And notice, he had to be anointed. If he had to be anointed, how much more do you and I need to be anointed? So our first point, I want you to see this, is Jesus the man had to be anointed to reign. Can you put that first point on there for us? Jesus was anointed to exercise dominion over the devil. And the, the title of this series here or tonight or today is It's Time to Reign. But notice this, that Jesus was anointed to exercise dominion over the devil. Amen? So we need to be anointed also so that we can exercise this authority. And why was he anointed? Notice this, to do good, which means to teach and to preach and to heal. So Jesus went about doing good, teaching and preaching and healing all. Everybody say all. He was anointed to heal all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Aren't you glad that God is also with you? Hallelujah. So turn to Acts now, Acts chapter, or turn to Acts chapter 1, just go back to your left, Acts chapter 1. We're going to do just a little bit of a Bible study. I'm a Bible teacher, so we're just going to teach you a little bit this morning. 
And then we're going to do something at the end. I'm going to illustrate to hope, hope this will help us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is talking about you and I. He says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The word power here in the Greek is the word dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. Do you see that? Do you like that? Why? So we can be like him. We just read that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, but when you get baptized, this is not talking about the new birth. This is talking about when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak with other tongues, it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. See, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. Is that right? There's a dual working of the Spirit. He works on the inside, but when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he comes upon you, and this happens in this verse, that you shall receive power or dunamis. Dunamis power. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you're full of dynamite. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're full of dynamite too. Hallelujah. So what is dunamis? It's stored power. So you want to understand that we have this power available to us, but we need to learn to access it. When you begin to move, when you begin to declare the word, you begin to provoke the Holy Spirit to begin to work in your lives. Do you want the Holy Spirit to work? Well, remember, you're the doer. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He'll help you if you'll do something. But if you're not going to do anything, the Holy Spirit has nothing to work with. But you think about what's on the inside of you is this amazing potential of dunamis or dynamite power that we have access. So God wants us to learn to access this amazing power. Amen. So turn, I want you to look at a few verses here. Turn to 1 Corinthians, or you can just, uh, I think it'll be on the board. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read this to you quickly, verse 19. Paul talks about you and I being the temple of the Holy Spirit three times in these two chapters. He calls us the temple of God. Look at this in verse 19. It says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. I pray that you begin to get the revelation that your body, what you look at every morning in the mirror, is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You have become the house where God lives. And that's something that we need to begin to look at ourselves at. You know, it's not what's happened to you that really matters. It's what's happened in you. Are you listening? It's not what's happened to you. It's what's happened on the inside of you. You've become the dwelling place 
where God lives. Do you realize now, everywhere you go, God goes. Wherever you go, you bring the wisdom of God with you. Wherever you go, you bring the strength of God. You have God's peace dwelling on the inside of you, so you have the ability to change the very atmosphere when you walk into a room. See, this is the way we need to begin to look at ourselves, not how your family sees you, not how your friends see you. It's how God sees you. That's really all that matters is how does God see you? He loves you so much, and he wants you to have so much success that he put his spirit on the inside of you. And now you're a container. See, the Holy Spirit is exactly like God. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and now that wisdom and that power and that strength now lives on the inside of every one of us. You've become the temple where God lives. That's why I believe the devil attacks us so much. He doesn't want us to realize what you're made of. Look at, now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is a very similar verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to begin with verse 14. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? For your, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now this is what I want you to see. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? He calls the body of Christ the temple of God. As God has said, or you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What an amazing verse to think about. God says, I'll be your God. He says, I will live in you. I will dwell in you. I will walk in you. So we need to get this revelation that everywhere we go, we bring God with us. Everywhere we go, we bring the answer with us. Everywhere we go, we bring the joy of heaven. Hallelujah. This is the way God wants to begin for you and I to, to see ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you made of? <laughs> Again, it's not what's happened to you. It's what has actually happened in you. God, you are amazing because of what God has done on the inside of you. And God wants to begin for you to look at yourself that way. And what happens if you do, the rejection that you faced and the insecurities, you begin to realize how God sees you. You'll be able to stand in the presence of anybody without being intimidated. Did you hear me? God does not want anyone to intimidate you. Now, we're not talking about being prideful. But what happens is the more knowledge you get of what, how God sees you, the bolder you're going to become. Boldness is produced through knowledge. So you want to be bold in your prayer life. You want to be bold when the enemy attacks you, then get some knowledge. 
Do your own research. Don't take my word for it. Begin to study these things out for yourself. But God has decided to dwell on the inside of us. That's why our covenant is so much better than the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, God was with them and God was for them, but God did not dwell on the inside of them. Now God, the Old Testament prophets would say, would to God, because they began to see about the New Testament. They began to see some things. They say, would to God, we could live during the time that you and I are living in right now. Hallelujah. God lives in you. God walks in you. God dwells in you. I'm just trying to impart this into you, that, to, you know, so that you can take something home today, that God lives on the inside of you. God dwells on the inside of you. Everywhere you go, you bring God with you, which means you're bringing the answer. Amen? Turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're just looking at a few of these verses. I promise you I'm getting somewhere. 1 John 4, 1 John chapter 4, very familiar verse, but see the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to help you overcome. Look at this in 1 John 4, verse 4, now you, you can read later verses 1, 2, and 3, but the context of this is talking about in verses 1 through 3, devils and demons. Look at verse 4. It says, you are of God. See, something that the Lord began to speak to me is you don't need to be concerned about your family tree anymore. Four words. All you need to remember about your family tree. You are of God. You are of God. Say that. You are of God. Say it again. I guess it's better that you personalize it. Say, I am of God. That's all you need to be concerned about your past. <laughs> he said, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Again, verses 1 through 3 is talking about the spirit of Antichrist. You've overcome the devil and demons. Why is that? Because greater is he. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How am I able to overcome, you might say? Because of the greater one that lives on the inside of you. What are we talking about? You're the temple of God. God lives in you. God walks in you. God dwells in you. Everywhere you go, God goes. Do you realize the Holy Spirit is called the living God? He's called the living God because he is God. You think about, where's Jesus? You know, Jesus is not here. He's seated, the Bible says, at the right hand of the Father. And he gave the Holy Spirit into the earth. The Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's in the earth today. And he is the living God that lives on the inside of you. 
You could look at it this way. You're a thousand times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Thank God you're not a thousand times bigger on the outside than you are on the inside. A thousand times bigger on the inside because of the greater one. I like that greater is he. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person. (laughs) Hallelujah. I just pray, and I was praying for you last night, that you would receive revelation today. Verses that you've seen probably over and over again, that you have a new understanding, that you've become the temple of God, that you've become the house where almighty God lives. And the devil can't touch this. And I'm not going to sing it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Turn to Romans now, Romans chapter 5, and this is one of my favorite verses. I hope some of you have a favorite verse in the Bible. Romans chapter 5. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, one of my favorite verses in the Bible that I read probably almost daily. Romans chapter 5. Verse 17, it says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. This is talking about Adam. Much more, they which receive an abundance of grace. Do you realize this is talking about you? And the Bible says you have received an abundance of grace. You ought to thank God every day that there is great grace that's on your life. I've learned this, where there's great grace, there's great joy, there's great growth, and there's supernatural provision. Hallelujah. So you've received an abundance of grace, and the Bible says the gift of righteousness. Thank God righteousness is a gift. You can't earn it. As soon as you're born again, God declares every one of you righteous. Righteousness is just talking about your position. Right, righteousness means right standing. Because of the blood of Jesus, you have right standing with God. Are you listening? Because of your position with God, you have right standing. The Bible says the righteous cry, the Lord hears and delivers you out of all your fears. The righteous cry. The Lord hears and delivers you out of all of your fears. Why is that? It's because of your position, righteousness. And because of this grace and because of this righteousness, the Bible says you will reign. Can you put that verse up there again? Notice what it says. You will reign in life. He didn't say when you, you know, we say when we get to heaven, things are going to be better. Well, I believe they are, but the Bible says you're supposed to reign in life. You are supposed to reign because of the grace that's on your life, because of the position God has declared you to be righteous. He says now it's time for you and I to rise up and begin to take authority over the devil that's been stealing your life, stealing your finances, stealing your peace, stealing your joy. It's time to rise up and begin to reign and as you do, the Holy Spirit, the greater one that's on the inside of you is going to help you. But if you don't rise up, if you do not rise up, the Holy Spirit has nothing to work with. 
Why is that? He's your helper. We always think, we, we reverse this, we think, well, God, you do it, and I'll help you. But that's backwards. God is saying, go, <laughs> put your hand to something, begin to move, and when you do, I'll help you. So understand that you're not the helper. That's not your ministry. You're the doer. Punch your neighbor. Just punch him and say, wake up. <laughs> he says, rain. When are you supposed to rain? Come on, when are you supposed to rain? When are you supposed to rain? Now or in life. We keep putting our victory off. Well, you know, we get into heaven, it's going to be better. Why not have some heaven on earth? Come on, why can't we experience some heaven on earth? It's time to rise up. It's time to reign. Put, if you would, put Job 22 up there for me, verse 28. I want you to see this from the Amplified. Boy, they're quick. Look at this verse. It says, you will decide. Who's supposed to decide? It says, you're supposed to decide and decree a thing, and it will be established unto you, and the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. You are supposed to decide, you know what, today I'm going to decree some things that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm going to decree some things that my God shall supply all of my needs. I'm going to decree some things that by his stripes I am healed. I'm going to decree some things that if God be for me, who can be against me? In every situation, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. In every situation, I am more than a conqueror. And see, when you, be, when you decide, this isn't up to God. It's you decide to rise up and reign. It's you decide to decree a thing. You decide to begin some say, say some things, and then God has something to work with. We're keeping our mouth closed. We're not doing anything, and really God's hands are tied. You know, Pastor Thomas taught us uh, patterns and principles. Look at the patterns and the principles in the book of Acts. When they began to move, when they began to do something, that's when God showed up. Do you need God to show up? Come on. He says, it's your decision. You decide. Starting today, this is the place. Now is the time. Today is my day. I am tired of getting kicked around. I'm tired of getting my peace stolen, my joy stolen, my money stolen. And it's time to rise up and begin to say, no more. Do you know what the word no means in the Greek? You're so smart. It means no. It's time to start saying no. No more. You draw a line spiritually and say, devil, you will not cross this line anymore. You will not have my kids. You will not have my family. You will not have my life. And you draw that line. And when the devil, you cross that line, you're going to get it. And that's when you stand up and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Listen to me. The devil is not so much afraid of you. 
He's afraid of who's in you. Hallelujah. What are you made of? What's on the inside of you? God made you, and he put his spirit on the inside of you to help you. That, that just tells me God made my body the dwelling place of his presence because he wants me to be successful. So it's up to you. Are you going to decide some things? Are you going to declare some things? Amen. Hallelujah. A couple more verses here, and we're going to do something. I'm going to illustrate. I like to illustrate things. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. For those of you that don't know, I was a children's pastor for seven years. And I always had something in my hand. I was always telling stories because children's attention span is about what their age is. Is that true? (laughs) You know, five-year-old, maybe five minutes. No, maybe three minutes. But a 10-year-old, about 10 minutes. And then when you become adults, I think it's back to five minutes. <laughs> but all you are, you're kids in big bodies. Amen. So we need to see visual, you know, visual aids help so much. So I'm going to show, show you something here. But I want you to see this first. And I just pray you get this revelation. Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 20, it says, This is talking about what God did when he raised Jesus from the dead. It says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Do you see it up there? Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of God. Now, I didn't tell him to do this. Do you have verse 21 up there? Can you put verse 21? You might not. I didn't give you that one. But let me just read you verse 21, just part of the verse. It says, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. So where Jesus is seated right now as we're speaking, he is far above all demons, devils, and evil spirits. Can you begin to visualize when Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, he is seated right now at the right hand of God. In that position, Jesus is in the third heaven. You know, the Bible talks about three heavens. Jesus is seated in the third heaven. The first heaven is the atmosphere around us. That's where the demons are and angels. The second heaven is space. The sun, the moon, and the stars. The third heaven is where God's throne is. It's a whole nother level. That's where Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is seated right now. Is that good to know that? He's not just above the devil. He's far above him. Now, I want you to see this in chapter 2, verse 6 of Ephesians. Look what it says. You can read it up there on the board if you want, or you can listen or look at it on your Bible. It says, and hath raised us up together, hath raised us up together. Who is us? And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, You know Jesus is the head of the church, right? 
Are we his body? Isn't the church his body? Well, you know as well as I do, the head can't go one way and your body go another way. Let's see you get up and walk out of here and leave your head in the seat. That would be quite a sight, wouldn't it? No, the head and the body are one, so the revelation that Paul wanted the Ephesians to get, he wants you and I to get. When the head of the church, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was raised from the dead, the body, which is the church, was raised with him. Because you can't sit down without your body. So this is the revelation that Paul wanted the church to get, he wants you and I to get, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, God saw every one of your faces. Because we were raised with him. Not only were we raised with him, we were seated with him. That's why it says in Romans 5, it's time for you and I to reign. Because we are seated with Jesus right now, positionally, our authority is seated with Jesus far above the forces of hell. The devil is not just under your feet. You have to look way down. That's your position of authority. So why are we allowing the devil, you know, so much leeway in our lives when he's down there? See, that's the revelation that Paul was trying to get across to the church and us today, that your position right now is seated. See, the Bible says Jesus is the king, capital K, of kings, small k. That's you and me. We are New Testament kings and New Testament priests. What does a king do? A king just sits on his throne and he decides to decree a thing. And when he decrees a thing, the Bible says it'll be established. When you decree a thing, it's going to be established and the light of God's favor will shine. Do you notice favor doesn't come first? We all want favor, but favor does not come first. It says you decide, you decree a thing, and then the favor will show up. Again, we want, we want God to move, we want favor, we want all of these things. God says begin to move, and then the favor will begin to operate. Begin to decree some things, and the favor will manifest. But the light of God's favor will begin to shine when you begin to take your position and act like a New Testament king that you really are. You th just begin to visualize a king sitting on his throne. He says, uh, you're not going to do that anymore. Uh, you come over here. Uh, I would like to talk to you. Uh, no, that will not happen in my, in my kingdom. Or that will not happen in my home. And uh, that will not happen either. And no, we're not going to do that. And yes, we can have that. But no. And that's what a king does. He just sits on his throne and he decrees. So what are you? I'm not taking anything away from Jesus. I'm just giving you something. He is the king of kings. He's God. He's Lord. But we need to understand that he is king over you and I who are kings in this domain. And it's time for you and I to start reigning. And if you do, the Holy Spirit will help you. And we know we all need some help. Amen? So we see Jesus was raised and he was seated at the right hand of the Father. And every one of you were raised and seated with him. Far above the power of the enemy. Amen? 
You ready to get some revelation now? Okay, turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. We're wrapping it up. Exodus chapter 17. Verse 8. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to have a little, uh, since we're all kids in big bodies, we're going to do a, a little illustration for you. Would that be okay? And nobody, um, I haven't asked anybody, so I'm, I'm going to need some volunteers. <laughs> Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him and sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands the one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua discomfited. That means beat the socks off of Amalek. You know, you've, been in a, you've really got beat up if you go, come home with no socks on. Beat the socks off of Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Can I have my staff? Do you have my staff? Thank you, sir. All right. So I need a Joshua. Come on, somebody. I need a Joshua. Okay, you can stay down there. I'm going to come down there. <clears throat> okay, Joshua, we're, gonna, we're about to have a meeting here. So just pretend I'm Moses. Will that be okay? No or yes? yes. Okay. Was Moses white? Probably not. Was Joshua black? Probably not, we're, but we're close. Okay, so Moses and Joshua, <laughs> we come together, it's brown, right? <laughs> okay, so we're talking with Joshua. I'm talking with Joshua. We have a battle plan that I'm going to take Aaron and her, and we're going to go up on, on the hill of God, and I want you to fight with Amalek, okay? So I need 10 people quickly. Just 10 of you come over here on this side. Just come on. Come, there's one, nine more. Come over here, Joshua. Come on, nine of you, come, come over here. So, Joshua, you're on this side. You're, you're leading. Come on. Come on, get, get a few more. Come on. Come, you're right behind Joshua. The, the battle's going to be over here, just so you know. Come on up here. Come on, come on. This is the group. You guys are all Israelites ready to fight. How many do we have? Is that close? Get up here like you want to fight, guys. Come on. Get up here like you want to fight. Okay, stay right there. Stay right there. I need ten more over here quickly. Ten, ten. Come. You're the Amalek. You're the enemy. Come, come. There's one. Come on, guys. Come quickly. We're going to fight here. Come on. I want you to stand right here. You're facing these guys. We have, we're outnumbered. We need ten more. Or we need ten. Come. Two, four, six, seven, eight. We got, is there 10 there? Come on, let's, let's get the numbers at least. Okay, Aaron and her, come with me. I need two, Aaron and her. Come, come, up here. 
Aaron and her. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Okay. Aaron, do I have her coming? Okay, you come here first. So Aaron, now I want you to get the battle plan. Joshua or Moses talked to Joshua that you're going to fight these guys. We're going to go, Aaron and her, we're going to go on the top of the hill of God. Moses is a picture or a type of the believer that's been raised above the enemy. Study this out for yourself. So Moses is going to go above or actually far above the enemy with Aaron and her. So let's go. Just visualize we're actually far above. Where, where, where Moses was, he was up on a mountain, and he was looking down at the battle, and he had the rod of God in his hands, and he had Aaron and her. So now the fight begins. You guys come together. Amalek is beating up Israel really, really bad. Okay. Okay, Amalek is crushing Israel. Okay, now, you can stop for just a second. No, stay there. Stay right where you are because you're, you're beating them. The Bible says that Moses had the rod in his hand, but he hadn't lifted it up. He was sitting there watching, and Amalek was actually killing Israel. What does this represent? This represents your delegated authority. Every one of you have a rod in your hand. It's the Word of God. It's the name of Jesus. It's what you do in prayer. It's how you respond in life. It's this rod. So what happened was when Aaron or when Moses lifted up the rod, now you guys start beating them up. Knock them back. Knock them back. <laughs> Knock them back. Okay, that's, that's good right there. But the Bible says that Moses got tired. So, guys, knock them out. Knock them out. Now, you're going to need to go a little further. We've got to make sure that Amalek's winning. Okay, that's good. So, Aaron and her began to get this revelation how important the rod of God is. Even though you have the word of God, you have the name of Jesus, if you do not use it, it will not operate. See, the revelation that Paul was telling the, the church at Ephesus, yes, you've been raised. Yes, you've been seated, and you're far above the enemy. But your joint seating with Christ does not guarantee victory. And that's why we're getting our socks beat off of us. We have all this authority. We have the Holy Spirit, who is God, to help you. But if you don't do anything, the Holy Spirit has nothing to work with. So what happened was um, they got a stone for Moses to sit on. So we'll just pretend that I'm, I'm sitting here like this. And you're supposed to help me with my hands because my hands were tired. So they held up Moses' hands. All right, Israel, do your stuff. Oh, you got a chair. Nice. You guys are quick. Here's my stone. All right. So what happened was when he held the... His, his hands up, Aaron and her got on either side because they saw, see you guys, see you. Hallelujah. Okay. You can go back to your seats. Thank you. Thank you. You can take that. You can go back to your seats. So the truth that God wants us to get, he wants us to understand that by faith, 
you have this awesome, amazing rod in your hand, but it will do you no good if you don't raise it up. And I think what happens, and I've been traveling to a lot of the FOCs since I've been here, and I'm seeing people that are tired. But I'm telling you, do not become weary in well-doing. You will reap a harvest if you don't become discouraged and don't give up. You cannot afford to have your rod down at any time in the times that we're living in. You've got to keep your rod up, and even when you get tired, that's when the Holy Spirit becomes Aaron and he becomes her to help you hold your hands up. Even when you get tired, the Holy Spirit is there to help you keep the rod of God up. I'm just telling you, we do not, we cannot afford to relax at all. So you keep that rod, you keep speaking the name of Jesus, you keep praying in Jesus' name, you hold your ground, and you've drawn a line in the sand and say, devil, you will not cross that line. You will not come into my house. You will not steal my finances. You will not steal my life. You will not take my health. You will not steal my finances anymore. But it's time for you and I to stand up, rise, and begin to say no more. You begin to speak the word of God. You begin to declare it with your mouth. And the enemy will will be run off. But it's up to you. It's not up to God to raise that rod or the name of Jesus. It's up to you. So begin to visualize, yes, you've been raised. Yes, you've been seated far above the forces of hell. But that doesn't guarantee victory until you begin to rise up. And I challenge you to just meditate on Romans 5, verse 17, that in life, not when you get to heaven, in life, you are supposed to reign you're supposed to rule. We have this treasure, the Bible says, in earthen vessels. We have the glory on the inside to help you get through anything that the devil throws at you. Anything and everything. In Jesus' name. I want you to bow your heads. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Pray with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this amazing congregation. Father, I thank you for your life. I thank you for your love. The name of Jesus. Father, I pray this message becomes revelation to everyone in this place. That we've been seated, we've been raised. But now it's time to reign. It's time to rise up, and it's time to reign. Hallelujah. I just heard this on the inside. I heard the Lord say, don't become weary in what you're doing. As you begin to rise, as you begin to exercise your authority, I will help you, says the Lord. I will strengthen you. I will encourage you. I will hold you up. So fear not. I am with you. I am for you. And I am in you. I am with you. I am for you. And I am 
in you. And as you begin to rise up and reign, I will strengthen you with might by my spirit in your inner man. My spirit lives on the inside of you, and he's not there just to sit there. He's there to help you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to strengthen you. He's there to help you overcome. When you begin to rise, when you begin to exercise your authority, my favor will begin to shine on your ways. My favor will shine, and as you begin to move, I will open doors that no man can close, and I will close doors that no man can open. So as you begin to move, as you begin to raise, I will be right there with you. I'm in front of you. I'm behind you. I'm on your right. I'm on your left. And I am there to strengthen you with my great, almighty power that flows on the inside of you. But you have to do, it's not my move. It's your move, says the Lord. It is your move. It is not my move. And as you begin to move, as you begin to declare, as you decide, I am going to stand my ground, as you begin to declare that I will not be moved anymore, as you begin to speak these things, I will manifest by my spirit and the mountains that you're facing will be removed. The valleys will be raised. The crooked places shall be straightened out. The rough places I will smooth out. As you begin to move, I will begin to strengthen you by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's just thank you. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.